Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. It seems like we're just in a holding pattern waiting for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 <laughs> next week. But in the meantime, we've got the internet, we've got some magic tricks, and we've got some blood drinking. Uh, welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Check it out for your movie reviews and other fun shenanigans as well. But the big one this week has, certainly has the star power. National Treasure Tom Hanks and Emma Watson, they're together in a cautionary tale about the internet, social media, and privacy, and it's called The Circle. I am a believer in the perfectibility of human beings. When we are our best selves, the possibilities are endless. At The Circle, there isn't a problem that we cannot solve. We can cure any disease and we can end hunger without secrets. Without the hoarding of knowledge and information, we can finally realize our potential. Funny thing about this movie, as well-intentioned as it is, and, uh, you know, the subject is serious and the subject is, is worthwhile, but in the end, this movie ends up already feeling outdated. Sure. Because it doesn't go as deeply as it should. Really, it doesn't go any more than surface deep, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately. And it wastes a good performance, of course by National Treasure Tom Hanks. <laughs> Did I mention he's a national treasure? <laughs> he's a hard guy not to like. He really is. And he his his part isn't that big, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what the, the trailers might uh, lead you to believe. But he plays like a, a Steve Jobs kind of guy, the head guru at The Circle, which is a all-encompassing tech firm mm-hmm. that is constantly looking for ways to get more data about people mm-hmm. and put it to use. But they, of course, they reassure it's all for good. Absolutely. You know, it's all to solve problems. But uh, young Emma Watson gets an entry-level job in the circle, and then she starts working working her way up. As the movie takes a almost a young adult meets 1984 type of, and I don't mean young adult, the movie with Charlize Theron you that mean we love. You no- mean young adult novels. I mean young adult type Fiction. of approach, yeah, uh, novels and, and things, because it, it focuses on this girl who is instantly recognized by everyone for her specialness mm-hmm. as she rises through the ranks very quickly of this, of this company and then starts taking part in expanding the, the abuses of privacy and then starts maybe thinking twice about it and all the harm that it can do, especially when she's befriended by a mysterious figure named Ty, who's played by John Boyega. Who we love. Who we love from, well, first from Attack the Block. Absolutely. If you haven't seen Attack the Block, look it up. And then, of course, he's gotten lots of uh, exposure now as part of the new Star Wars. But um, he's this shadowy figure, and it's kind of funny because he shows up at all the rah-rahs and all the meetings and launches, and He's this lurking figure in the back with a constant disapproving look on his face, but somehow these ever-present cameras and people recording everybody's every move, that doesn't tip anybody. They don't notice him. Did anybody Flies under the radar. tip anybody off to anything? <laughs> but he notices instantly that he can trust Emma Watson's <laughs> May character, so uh, he, he divulges some secrets to her about the circle, and, and we're off. But, you know, the director and the writer, they both have pretty impressive resumes. The director is James Ponsolt, and he directed Smashed, Back in 2012. Sure. And he had directed the end of the tour 
yeah. just a couple of years ago. And then he also directed, speaking of Young now. Adult, The Spectacular Now, which, to be fair, is one of the better Young Adult I adaptations. It. I think you liked it a little bit more than mm-hmm. I did. But the writer is actually the guy that wrote the book that this is based on. His name is Dave Eggers, and uh, he co-writes the script with the director. And he wrote Away We Go, and he wrote Where the Wild Things Are the, that the, we the love. The screenplay so, for Where the Wild yeah. Things Are. We love that movie. Yeah, so there's there's some talent here, and I just was a little perplexed why the movie then comes off as so obvious and so sometimes downright cheesy. There mm-hmm. are a couple of, I thought, a couple of just painful scenes. There's one early on where a couple of employees come by Emma Watson's desk to tell her that, you know, her, her work is fine, but she's not taking advantage of the social aspect of the circle, and she's not really a member of the community, and she might want to get with the program. And it just goes on and on, and oh, we, uh, you know, I get it. It almost became like a Saturday Night Live skit <laughs> to me. But uh, the whole approach to the movie is just too forced. It's too obvious. You know, yes, we know, we should know, anyone who's awake in 2017, that the privacy is under attack. Mm-hmm. That's not a new construct, but it's something that is definitely ripe for digging into. Mm-hmm. And this movie just doesn't want to do it. It, it doesn't have any of the characters take any particular stance on it, and and the movie doesn't either, except to say that this is a problem, and oh, this can be used for evil. Well, no duh. <laughs> you know, that, that was the kind of surprised me about it. And though I didn't read the book, I did look into um, some particulars of the book, and it seems to me that they altered the ending of the book in a pretty significant way. And uh, reading about how the book ended, I think it would have made a better movie had they stuck with it. It is interesting, especially because the guy who wrote the book wrote the screenplay. Co-wrote the right, screenplay. Right, right, right. So I found that a little uh, a little odd. And I, at least from reading about the book and not actually reading it, it seemed to me like the original ending would have had a little bit more of a a bite to it, a little bit more of a of a satirical bite, and take a stand, which this movie doesn't really seem to do. Just keeps things on a, on a very uh, surface level, as I said. But Tom Hanks, of course, is good. Patton Oswalt right, love is, him. Is, is a good uh, supporting actor as well. And it's you know who it's nice to see? And it took me a while when I was watching the movie. I know that face. Who is that guy? It's Eller Coltrane, who was the boy in Boyhood. Nice. That we loved so yeah, much. Who we just watched boyhood. grow up on screen. Loved it so much. So he's got a small but integral part as a childhood friend, and also, who I didn't realize was in the movie until I saw it, it's one of the final performances from Bill Paxton. Right. Yeah, that kind of surprised me. Very sad. And it's also bittersweet because he plays Emma Watson's character's father, who is suffering with with MS. So you watch him in in a, a scenes of physical decay sure and it makes it even more uh, even more bittersweet but you know emma watson i know you're not a fan um i was i thought she did a fine job in beauty and the beast sure. i did but she he, she takes a little back seat here she just can't she yes does she make a face does she make a pained face she makes a pained face and that kind of gets stands in for actual acting sure because it's emma watson too many times <laughs> and she just seems you know a little overmatched especially in the scenes with tom hanks mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it comes up a disappointment, even though, as I said, it raises a good subject, but doesn't really do anything with it, Too unfortunately. Bad. And that is The Circle, really the big movie out this week. But there's another one, and it's a little 
more under the radar, but it's getting a pretty decently wide review. And it's an interesting movie, one with a premise not quite as obvious as the one in The Circle. A young street magician is left to care for his little sister after their parents' passing and turns to illegal activities to keep a roof over their heads in a film called Slight. This is turning into something I would have never signed up for. I never thought it'd get dangerous. I just wish I could move Tina to a neighborhood with a better school, surrounded with better people. You got my money? Don't make I gave you a job when you needed it most. I'm gonna kill you and every person you know. That description, I'm gonna say, doesn't exactly fit this movie. Um, because I, I read it on the cue cards. <laughs> because, well, I just mean <laughs> because the film itself is sort of a superhero origin story. It's really kind of what it is. And uh, and uh, Jacob Lattimore plays Bo, the lead, who uh, could have gotten a, a science scholarship to go to college, but he had to not go because he needed to stay home and take care of his little sister Tina after his mom dies. So by day, he does these unbelievable uh, magic tricks for tourists. Like, like sort of, how, how is it possible this kid doesn't already have a TV show? No way. Magic is a world of illusion. And then, uh, but he's not making enough cash doing that. So by night, he sells drugs, which is an interesting concept because this is absolutely by no means uh, like a gritty crime drama. I mean, it does, I'm going to be honest with you, it doesn't make selling drugs seem like that bad a gig, which is unfortunate. Because <laughs> he just... He drives around in a nice car, and he stops, and he's like sort of happy partiers, you know, buy bags of drugs for him, and nothing bad ever happens to them. And then, you know, uh, it's it's weird. Now, the, the kingpin starts to put a cramp in, in his style when Bo uh, uh, starts dating a, a, a somebody who, who he's impressed with his magic tricks. And, you know, uh, and that's about the same time when the drug kingpin decides that, that Bo is a good, trustworthy guy, and he needs him to be pulling his weight a little more. So he wants him to sell heavier stuff. He wants him to sell more stuff. And he and he wants him to do some more dangerous things. But even that doesn't come across as, aside from one meat cleaver scene, uh, I mean, the whole drug thing just doesn't seem to have the kind of bite that it ought to. And, and it, and it kind of robs the whole film of, of much of a sense of urgency. Aside from that, there's this weird science thing that they don't sort of get into for a while. But Bo has inserted... A giant electromagnet into his own shoulder with a lot of sort of copper wiring and some pus and stuff. It's just... And he meant to do it. It did. He did it on purpose. <laughs> uh, so that comes into play later. But the whole time you're like, is this for m- magic tricks? Because he, he mostly does card tricks. I'm not sure how m- magnetism is helping that. I mean, the whole thing is just a bit bizarre and magic. I'm just going to say it. I don't dig the magic. <laughs> in any movie, I'm always like, magic. So anyway, but these well, three things the, just don't come together very the, the well. The thing about it is magic is so difficult in movies because we see so much magic in so many other movies through CGI and everything. How are we supposed to actually grasp that this is actually, they're trying to make us believe that this is magic and when not we know, movie yeah, magic. Exactly. It does. It really robs it of because, you know, I think real magic is so compelling. But <laughs> but it's just, I mean, these things just don't come together very well. The magic is kind of a side story. The science thing is a very, very side story, even though, honestly, those two things together should be more of his origin story. The drug part of it just doesn't have the gritty drama that it needs to have to fuel 
sort of, uh, you know, because usually most superhero origin stories are, are they're just rife with drama and trauma and, and horror and terrible things. And just it's just such a it's, it's like you said about the circle. It's such a superficial telling. Um, and and, you know, it seemed like it could have been an interesting concept. Well, I give it credit for taking another road to an origin story sure. because, you know, we're, we're inundated now with superhero, not only superhero movies, but every time they reboot them, I feel like, do we have to go through the origin story yeah, again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so anything that can give me a fresher perspective on an origin story. So at least, like you said, it's starting down a road that might lead to somewhere interesting. Right. Certainly the idea is it's the first of a franchise, but it's so just yawn-tastic. I, I, I don't want to see the second one where he actually, you know, I don't know, dons a cape and uses the electromagnets to fly around or anything. I just don't. I just don't. Yeah, so really a couple of underwhelming titles with too little bite in uh, The Circle and Slight. But you know what? One that's getting a much more limited release actually has more bite, and it's uh-huh. called The Transfiguration. And this one mixes up some different genres as well. And one is the vampire movie, mm-hmm. but in a way, it's a vampire movie, but it's not a vampire movie. It's about a boy who is convinced he is a vampire and does some certain things that vampires do and talks a good game, but in the end, it's not really about that. No, right. The Transfiguration, it's called. It's about Milo, this this uh, 14-year-old boy He's just an outcast, a high school outcast. He has no friends. He's he's very, very socially awkward. He, you know, he doesn't talk to anybody. Nobody talks to him. Um, and, and he's pretty believably socially awkward. It's not like one of those wallflowers where you think, oh, if only he had a circle of friends. You're like, no, 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 there's something kind of wrong with this kid. And um, and I think that it does a nice job of of examining uh, how how people like that cope with, endure you know, that kind of, of just ostracized life. It's not like you can escape it while you're in high school. You're stuck there. And what Milo does is, uh, he, you know, he watches vampire movies. He's obsessed about vampire movies. And then eventually, I think, while they don't hit you over the head with it, I think he just becomes fixated on this idea of this loner, this predator, you know, this sort of romantic notion of an outcast. And then he, and, and it, the film opens with a man in a public restroom washing his hands, and he thinks he hears something funny in a stall, and so he kind of rushes out perturbed, but what's happening in the stall is Milo is... Not what he thinks, No, yeah. sucking the life out of a businessman. Um, and it's and then he, he pockets his cash, and he goes about it. And so it's it's interesting that way. It is, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's like a commentary, like a loner teenage, one of those sort of independent films, but at the same time, it's a vampire movie. And what's what I love about it, the writer-director is clearly a huge and genuine fan of vampire movies, yeah. and therefore so is the film, yeah. and so is Milo. I mean, yeah. it's all very authentic. You can definitely tell that Milo often speaks, or, or the director, Michael O'Shea, is often speaking through Milo in some of the commentary he makes about certain vampire films. And this is actually uh, O'Shea's feature debut. Very confident, very impressive. Yeah, and to me it seemed like Milo was not all the things you said, but also he had, has kind of convinced himself that he is bringing no one else anything positive. Yeah, that he's I think you're right. he's only going through the world and hurting people, mm-hmm. so he's he's embracing that. He's, he's had a, a tough family life, yep. and he... He he lives in the projects with his brother, who his brother makes a funny comment at one time that his mother, because his brother's name is Lewis. is Lewis, and he makes a funny comment that his their mother named them Lewis and Milo, names that are just guaranteed to get their asses kicked, <laughs> which is funny, and they have to deal with a 
you know, a tough, very violent gang yep. that, that is constantly picking on Milo. So, yeah, uh, and then, like you said, he does meet meet somebody that's kind of a, a bit of a kindred spirit, and they form a, a sweet friendship. But I think in some ways the uh, idea of being a vampire kind of transcends the actual genre and becomes more of a metaphor for Absolutely. certain things for oh, me. a hundred percent. I agree with that. And it's funny because, you know, he, he mentions Milo is fixated on Nosferatu, which is, which is my favorite vampire movie. Mm-hmm. But he also, he, Milo, the character talks about let the right one in another one that we love one of my and, favorites, yeah. and that the film mirrors a little bit because the young vampire befriends yes. a, a girl and that, you know, and, and the girl tries to get him to like twilight, does, which, which is I hilarious. Think is funny, yeah. it's, it's very funny. It's a very yeah. funny, touching movie. And, and, and both leads are, are believable and sweet. And, and like I say, authentically socially awkward, right? Yeah. This isn't like a Sandra Bullock movie where you, you know, at any minute there's going to be a makeover and things are going to be fine. These oh. two aren't going to be fine. Right. And this, and it's a very different movie and I, and I think true horror fans might want there to be a little bit more action because it's it's slow paced it and is, yeah. meditative in the way indie films often are yeah um, but but I mean there is some blood it's a bloody film as well yeah so if you can find it that would be the pick this week uh, the transfiguration over slight and the circle with wider releases uh, some definite good stuff coming out on home video blu-ray DVD VOD a little movie called La La Land. Oh, have you heard of it? That you might have heard that we've talked about once or twice. I just absolutely loved it. It was your favorite film of last year. It was my favorite, as I said before. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite. I did think Moonlight was the best movie of yeah, the year, yeah. but it was my favorite. It was two, for me, it was just two hours of smiling. Just just magical. Yeah. Um, with the, the uh, tale of these two star-crossed lovers looking for fame in L.A. And, of course, it's Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. And Oscar winner Emma Stone. Yeah, Oscar winner Emma Stone. Emma Stone, and just an incredible job by Damien Chazelle of 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 creating a salute to a certain type of movie that doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. without without coming off sentimental, cloying. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a fine line to walk that because uh, other movies have tried yeah. and have failed, mm-hmm. and for me, he succeeded way way beyond what uh, what you could have expected it's certainly a movie that i would suggest you see on the big screen right if you possibly can because it looks gorgeous but if you can only get it uh, at home please do we love la la land and another one that we like a lot much of a lower profile but one that we liked called the girl with all the gifts loved it so it is a reimagining of the zombie movie which you know uh, you know uh, people make vampire movies all the time but i bet there's seven zombie movies for every vampire movie i mean there are so many it's very hard to zombies are so hot right now <laughs> but this one takes the zombie concept to a very logical alarming con- conclusion it with does. brilliant performances all the way through so i i and it's another bit of a slow burn but i just loved it very impressed by it girl with all the gifts i think you should give it a look yeah you're right the way the, the writing takes it like like you said somewhere that Maybe we should have seen coming, sure. but we don't right. because it is a very logical extension of where the zombie genre might go. And I agree with you. I loved it. So look that up if it's if it's your thing, the zombies, the girl with all the gifts. And one that I didn't see but you liked, okay, called, I did. called Detour. Detour, yeah. It's uh, Ty Sheridan, who we love, um, from Mud, you know, and from Joe and uh, from a lot of different independent films. And he stars, uh, He his mom is dying. He thinks his stepdad is nefarious. 
and uh, he gets a little too drunk and he runs afoul of a local ne'er-do-well and his girlfriend. And uh, and the film kind of shows you two different ways of what might be happening. Is it this happening or is it this happening? And it's it's kind of interestingly cut so that you're not entirely certain is one of these an imagination or is it just but or is it just not being told sequentially? So and it keeps you on your toes. There are some good performances. It's really a road trip movie, basically. And uh, it definitely has some flaws, but it, I think it's worth checking out. All right. So three worthwhile releases on home video next week. A little thing called Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> Everybody else is better get out of the way. But we'll also check out. Uh, next week, what else might be opening in and around it? Guardians 2. Until then, if you want to chime in about these movies or any that you've seen lately, love to hear from you. Easiest way to do that is on Twitter. We are at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F on Facebook. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. And as I said, the main website where you can get the written reviews of all these movies and more, we're at MadWolf.com. So the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. And until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.